Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Hello, Take On Board people. It's June and you know what that means, don't you? That's right. It's the Take On Board birthday month. And that means we'll be celebrating all month. It's party time. So firstly, come to our party. It's on Thursday, the 1st of July, and there's one in the morning and one in the afternoon. So you can come from wherever you are in Australia or the world. Come for some or come for all of the time. Come to one or both the events. Bring your own birthday cake and drinks as we'll be meeting via Zoom so the Take On Board community can participate from wherever you are in the world. You can meet others from the community, ask me any questions you like and take home presents. After all, what's a party without presents? So much fun. I can't wait to see you there. Now, because I'm cheeky, while I'm here, given it's birthday month, can I ask you a favour? Could you give us a rating or a review? Or could you share the podcast with a friend or colleague? Actually, a shout out to the very fabulous Jin Wen and Fiona Herman, both of whom gave me and the Take On Board podcast a shout out in the Chat 10 Looks 3 community just this week. So welcome to new listeners who have discovered us in that way. And also thanks to Donna for not once, but twice emailing me to let me know how she had put into action some of the things she'd learned in the Take On Board episodes. Feel free to get in touch and do the same. I love hearing from the Take On Board community. Okay, enough from me. Register for the party. Links are in the show notes. Rate us, review us, share us with a friend or a colleague. Get in touch and let me know how you're putting into practice some of the things you've learned. Enough from me. On with the episode today. See you at the party. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Sally Parrish about transitioning from executive to board work. First, let me tell you about Sally. Sally's been in and around boards for almost 20 years, having served on a number of not-for-profit and community boards. She's an executive and business coach, 
the founder of the Board Coaching Institute and the author of The Essential Field Guide for Company Directors. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Sally. Thank you so much for inviting me, Halia. It's lovely to be here. Sally, before we talk about your journey to the boardroom and transitioning from executive to board work, let's dig a little bit deeper about you. Can you tell me, and it's probably tied, I'm guessing, to some of this, but can you tell me, what was your earliest experience of governance? Well, I was a accidental board member. <laughs> My eldest child had just started kinder. We went to the annual meeting. And you know where they shut the door until they have enough volunteers onto the committee? I was, I was new to that space. So I made the mistake of making eye contact with the president and quickly found myself elected as head of fundraising on a committee for a small kindergarten association. And that was my introduction to committee work and just being in that role and not really knowing what governance is, not really understanding how it all operates, but having had an executive career and seeing that things weren't being well run, you can see that, mm. you know, meetings aren't running to agendas, people have their own agendas. Um, and the kindy yeah. is a really interesting space because obviously all the people on a kindy committee have children at the kinder. Their priority mm, yeah. is not the best interest of the organisation, it's the best interest of their child. Mm. So it's, it's a very difficult space. And I learned governance on my feet just by Googling, surely that can't be right. Surely you don't do it like this. And so I, I learned governance through Google initially. <laughs> There's probably worse ways to learn governance, it must be said, and at least you uh, resorted to Dr. Google rather than thinking, oh, well, this is the way it's done. You actually did some research around it. We, we had to go to a vote on a licensing issue and I was against the vote, as was another lady. So they had the meeting without notifying us of it and had the meeting without us present. It, you know, it was really, it, it was really amateur time. So before that meeting, so you, you ended up on that committee of management because, I love it, as you say, made eye contact at the wrong moment. Had you considered before that, oh, maybe some governance work would be interesting or it was really just making eye contact at the wrong time? Well, I'd actually been an executive coach for about seven years by that stage. Mm. I'd been coaching businesses. I'd worked with family boards. And I, I just naively assumed that things would be better run than they were. You know, I just underestimated that whole not-for-profit sector it's a very different mm. world from the commercial sector tell us about your first board role so my first board role along similar lines it was early childhood kindergarten management so because of some of the issues that we'd had on this committee we actually lost our license because we were so dysfunctional and because of my involvement in helping turn this committee around I was invited onto the board of the management cluster. So this is a group that run a group of kinders in the, in the local area. And so accidental board role yet again, you know, I was, I was flattered. Mm -hmm. My ego led the way. I've been invited to a board. You know, how prestigious is that? I did my due diligence. I considered how long will it take me to get there? How long are the meetings? Mm -hmm. And that, that was about the extent 
of my due diligence. So my first board role was through kind of sorting out the mess on the committee of management that I was on and then getting invited to the overall licensing body. So then how was that experience? Was it a, did it, um, it sounds like your due diligence, well, you did some due diligence, which is a good start. Some people don't even do that. They just run with the flattery from the first moment, but you did some, so that's good. Was it frying pan to fire or was it, oh my gosh, this is magnificent. This is exactly the way boards should run. So I think you're spotting a bit of a theme here, Helia. I think you're seeing where this is going. So I think I think what happens is when you think of a board, in your mind you have this perception that you're talking about very senior executives. You're talking about very accomplished people. You're thinking about very complex affairs. And, in fact, this is why many of us have imposter syndrome. We just don't feel that we're going to be as good as this perception we have in our mind about the board that we're stepping into. So I really went into this thinking that, you know, these people were going to be my mentors. I would learn from them. It would it would be a step up in my career. It would build connections. And, and the reality of it is that we were volunteers. That means we don't get paid. We were in startup, which means we didn't have resources. We met after work. We all had full-time roles. So we met at seven, eight o'clock at night. And when you're in a boardroom till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, and you're the resource for a company that doesn't have a lot of resources and you're not getting paid, it's not your best self that shows up. It's not the version of you that's going to get shoulder tapped for the ASX role. So how long were you on that board for? That sounds like you had some great expectations. You turn up maybe not quite what you had hoped for. How did it play out? Well, look, in all fairness, my colleagues were all in the same boat as myself. They all had the same high expectations and we were a board of peers. We were all hardworking. We were absolute professional around the work that needed doing. We got the work done. But it's fair to say that when that tenure came to end, we all jumped off as quickly as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I learned when we, we were actually going for a really difficult stage of the funding model being deliberated at parliamentary levels. So we had no idea whether we would have funding the following year or not. And yet we had to put our plans into place. So uh, we had a really, really difficult, complex time navigating funding issues. And I'd, I'd had enough. I seriously mm. wasn't what I'd expected and when I looked at leaving if you take on these board roles there's a liability there's a responsibility and leaving the board doesn't mean escaping that liability or responsibility and you can be you can be deemed to be you know the captain leaving the sinking ship so sometimes if you find Mm -hmm. that the board is having difficulties if it is having problems that's even more reason why you need to stay and to be diligent and to act in the best interest of the company which is not I've had enough I'm leaving now it's I've got to see this through this is tough this is difficult and I should have been better at my due diligence before I took the role on not walk out Mm -hmm. because it got too hard yeah, it is such a challenging thing, isn't it, when you – and sometimes you do your due diligence and you don't necessarily know, even though you have done your due diligence. So 
Oh, gosh, I've got two questions there. I'm going to ask them both in. You can do them in whichever order you like because they're both slightly different. What would you do differently if you had it all done today? And secondly, how did you exit gracefully? Uh, I'll answer the second one first. I'd literally applied myself so much to that role I I developed the policy register I developed the strategic plan I did a lot of this work in my own time by myself and then took it to board for sign-off so I'd done a lot of the work but I had positioned that with the board I had positioned these are the big hairy goals that we have right now Mm prepared to tackle these I'm prepared to get us to where we need to be but I'm not taking on any more than these things that mm. I have on my plate and and they were big issues and they took a lot of work and my own consultancy business suffered as a result of the amount of work I had to do for this board um, but I, you know I, I did leave graciously and I left with their best wishes I finished my tenure it was all done professionally and respectfully and I'm still in contact with the people on that board today and we you know we were all in the same boat we'd bitten off more than we could chew and we were professionals and we were going to get the work done and we were going to see it through so what would I have done differently what I teach senior executives now and you you probably have this with your own clients Mm -hmm. Halia it's not about finding a board role people get really short-sighted I want to be on a board it's about developing a board career you have to think about where your board role is going to go you need to think about the value you want to add you've got Mm. to think about those bigger things the contribution the belonging that these are legacy moves and you can't make a legacy move if you just accept the first board role that comes along so for me I think the big shift the big thing that I teach now is that accepting a board appointment is an emotional decision and we don't do our best thinking when we're thinking emotionally emotions are great for gut instinct getting a feel about people but accepting a board appointment is a logical rational process and there's much work to be done so for me it's around understanding what I want from a board role and being very clear Mm. in my intentions around that. And then not letting my ego or my emotions or or any other state get in my way of ticking all of the boxes. So my advice to anyone out there in terms of due diligence is break the process down. Think about stage one as being your research stage. So before you even apply for a role, check that that role meets your criteria. Is it a a role where you can add value is it a role where you'll get contribution and growth and do that before you even apply where that step gets missed so much you know we see a role we want and we we send the resume in and then obviously you've got the appointment process you've got the the initial interview the discovery phase and the appointment stage so you've got those other stages where you can do the deep diligence work but just be really clear about what that is before you get swept up and you know the chair really loves you and the board think you're going to add so much value and they're so excited because then you're not thinking logically and rationally (laughs) it's like first dates isn't it it's like oh that first date went well uh and then you don't necessarily make the most sensible decisions interesting (laughs) oh so 
Ask me how I know, Helia. <laughs> I've made oh, wow. every mistake in the book. Like I, I only know how to do this because I've done it wrong so many times, taken so many wrong turns. It took me a decade to figure all this out. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Well, look, I won't say that the stories you've already told us are necessarily some of the mistakes because it sounds like you've, you, as always, we learn a lot from these experiences, but... You say you've made every mistake in the book. Tell us more about your your fun, fabulous mistakes that we can all learn from. <laughs> well, I became a an accidental author. I um, I did some corporate governance training. I decided that what was lacking, what what would make the difference, was to go and get a qualification or, or understanding of governance. So I. I took on a governance course and it was a great course. I, I learned a lot about strategy and culture and all of those things, but it didn't open up boardrooms for me. It was a great mm. course if you were a director and you wanted to expand your skills, but it didn't show me how to figure out my board value proposition. It didn't show me how to expand my director network. It just taught me about the board itself so I mean that was an, another mm. mistake in terms of the money I spent the time it took me to do my studies I'm glad I did it and it's a great course and it and it makes you a better director but you see a lot of executives that want to transition from the executive role to the board role and they think the first step is a deep dive in governance where in a lot of the established directors that I speak to what they say is that Without the context of doing a board role, that course can be very theoretical. So it's mm. governance training has its place. Uh, so I, I became an accidental author. I wrote the book, The Essential Field Guide for Company Directors, which is all about directors' responsibilities and liabilities. And I think this is the missing piece. You, you have to know what you're in for. You have to know what the risks are you have to know what your responsibilities are you have to know what your liabilities are you, you have to act in the best interests of the board that you're representing and if you jump from really understanding what that involves to so how would I make a decision about strategy in this situation Ooh. then you really can't be acting in the best interests of the company it sounds like some of those experiences both your own and, in fact, possibly hearing from others, yeah, has led you to, to bring it all together in a, in a guide for others so others don't need to make the same mistakes again. We have an issue here in Australia where a HR department, when a senior executive says they're ready, they're, they're ready for the next step, the HR department will pay for and enrol yeah. them on the AICD course. But that's not the next step. The next step is to develop board skills so collective decision making is probably the biggest one you know up until that point you I get a lot of leaders say oh Sally you know I'm I'm a great leader we all make democratic decisions in my team I delegate the decisions in my team but you still have control over them you still have the parameters around them Whereas at board level, that's the first thing you give up is you give up control around that decision-making process. And if you don't understand how to influence, if you don't understand how to communicate efficiently, mm. let alone effectively, efficiently, that boardroom, you're just not going to have any impact in that role. 
So then how did you learn some of that collective decision-making, for example? How did you learn some of those key things that are needed in the boardroom? Well, my background's business and executive coaching. In my executive role, I was always in the people and culture stream of the organisation. So Mm. I've always, I hate this term. I wish someone would come up with a better term for it, soft skills. I've always majored in the soft skills. So I'm certified around language and behaviour. So I understand the impact of language on others. I understand the framing of questions and being curious rather than you know scrutinizing so I understand those so for me I I had a good handle on that kind of thing but I've certainly seen people in boardrooms that haven't been taught that and they lead in the boardroom the same way they lead their executive teams and those questions they they land differently at board level you know you can come across as undermining you can come across as threatening you know, what's more important in the boardroom than the relationships, the relationships of the board members, the relationship between the board and the executive management team. And if you don't have those, use that horrible phrase again, soft skills, then it just starts to break down. We've heard a lot about the uh, not so good times that you've had in the boardroom and some of the lessons that you've learned from that, which uh, and some of those are reflected in your book. What's something that's gone really well for you in the boardroom? Can you tell us about a time in the boardroom where you're just like, oh, my God, that was awesome. We rocked it then. I am so passionate about boardrooms. There was a report in the Financial Review last year. It was by Apollo Communications, and it said that the top 100 ASX, there's 563 directors, they manage $1.7 trillion of value, $3 million workers like how exciting like where can you have more impact and I love what they said they said they they described it as the engine room of the economy and there are so many great stories out there there are so many successes we only ever see the bad news right we only ever talk about the things that went wrong the bumps that we incurred along the way but I've been party to Boards that have gone into the billion dollars of revenue. And that's really exciting when you see that. I've seen executives flourish in their board. I could just give you so many examples of when it goes well. Because at the end of the day, executives are well-meaning. Executives are passionate. Executives are hardworking. They're achieving. And when you've got people like that in the boardroom, you're going to get success. But it's what is board success to you, right? And what you think is success mm. at board level and what I think is success at board level are two different things. For one company, it might be just managing to keep the doors open through COVID. You know, that's, that, that mm. might be what it is. For another company, it can be the construction industry that are doing so much great work now around mental health and mental well-being for its employees. And, that to me is where the meaningful work is. That to me is where we're having impact. It's not, it's not the billions of dollars of revenue we make. Because we talk now about mm. the four Ps or the quadruple bottom line. So it used to be about profit. How much money are we making? And then it was about profit and people. And that's where we had all the, you know, this company is the top 10 employer. Mm. People are best assets, human capital. 
But then it became about the planet as well. We had to be sustainable. We had to be socially minded. And that's when we got our CSR policies started coming into play. Mm -hmm. But now, now it's about purpose. Why does this company exist? Why are they here? What's the intention? What do they do? And so you need a board that's aligned to that purpose. So Mm. we we need to understand what it is we're doing. And that purpose, yes, we've got to make money because that's how the company keeps going. And yes, we need to look after our people because that's the right thing to do. And yes, we have to look after the planet. But the bigger question is the why. Why is this company here? Why is this person on the board? And when we're all aligned, doesn't matter what that outcome is, it's always going to be phenomenal. Yes, that alignment of all of those things, uh, that's the that's sweet spot, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so good that boards are recognising this now. If we look back five, ten years ago, a board was full of legal and financial professionals and they looked the same, they talked the same, they thought the same. And we'll always need those skills at board level. But now we're making room for people with communication skills, people with technology skills, people with people skills. And we're we're getting a much broader sense at board level of how much impact we can make. Oh, Sally, we've had such a fabulous conversation. What are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Oh, my God, that's just gone so fast. Thank you for the opportunity today. So I think, I think, Think about what you want. Think about your board career. You know, it's like, I don't know if you had any friends that got into their 30s and they weren't married yet and the focus all became about getting married, not on the relationship that they wanted. So think about, Mm -hmm. yes, you want a board role, but what do you want from that board role? And it's a two-way process. What do you want to give and Mm -hmm. what do you want to receive? Be really, really clear in your intentions, be very clear in your board value proposition, make sure there's some really great alignment there. And think beyond board role, think broadly, think board success, think of your board career as a whole, and what needs Mm. to happen at each stage. We see executives, they start their board careers, they have one or two roles, and it kind of fizzles out, and they don't understand what happened, they get to the end of their tenure, and the next role's not lined up. Mm. And that's because it's not enough long-term plan. You, before COVID, we used to plan these beautiful holidays, European destinations. You put a lot of time and thought into that. I seriously don't think that we put enough time into the planning and the resourcing of our board careers. So mine would be all around the think about what you want and then the due diligence make sure you've got what you wanted. Make sure it ticks all of your boxes. And is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? I'd love to tell you about my ebook, if I may. I've got a, uh, a very short ebook. It's a 20-page guide called The Fast Start Guide to Board Success. And it's the questions that executives ask and should ask about launching and building their board careers. So I'd, I'd love to make that available yeah. to your listeners. Fantastic. Well, we can put a link to that in the show notes. So yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Oh, Sally, it's been so fabulous to have this conversation with you today to um, to learn from your mistakes. Thank you for sharing uh, and to, you know, to bring to life some of those examples. So thank you so much for taking the time to share with the Take On Board community today. 
and Halia, thank you so much for inviting me and thank you to you as well for the great work that you do opening those boardrooms to talented female executives. It's a great job that you do. Hi there, it's Halia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.